What's up, champs? Welcome to another episode of the Keeping Carlson Short Shifts Fantasy Hockey Podcast. I'm your host for tonight's show, Ben Burnett. Joining me, as per always, my pal and yours, the talented Mr. E, Lewis Ezekiel. Lewis, my pal, how you doing on this fine, fine Thursday evening? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. I would uh, like goals scored by my players to stop getting disallowed, but maybe uh, my team shouldn't be such a bunch of cheaters. Right. And maybe you're, uh, you know, maybe this is just the, the penance you pay early season for uh, for longer term success uh, in the back half of the season. That's what I that's what I like to think. Let's uh, maybe we can stay positive. Yeah, that's that's definitely what I'm hoping. We're going to we're going to put together a very upbeat show for us here today. Lots of interesting stuff to talk about. So let's get into it. Sure. Yeah, I think that when uh, whenever anyone who knows either of us thinks of us, they think of how shiny and optimistic we are just naturally. So uh, <laughs> let's start with, uh, you know, some sunshiny news in the NHL. Uh, never mind. We're going to start with a, uh, a, a story about uh, Jakob Verana, who unfortunately has been placed on the NHL and NHLPA's player assist- assistance program. He will remain out indefinitely. And obviously, um, you know, no interest in speculating on, on what's going on with uh, Verana, sending him best wishes and, and hope that he is in good hands to deal with whatever it is he does have going on. Um for the fantasy perspective, which which we'll get into, uh, it sounds like he'll be out indefinitely. And the Wings kind of hit the line blender in their last game against the Kings. And the new look top six mirrors the team's current power play configuration in kind of an interesting way. Uh, line one includes Dylan Larkin, David Perron, and Dominic Kubalik. And that trio is joined on the top power play uh, by Oscar Sundqvist and Philly Hironik. Uh, while line two at even strength is Philip Zadina, Andrew Kopp, and Lucas Raymond. And uh, they're joined on the power play by Elmer Soderblom and Maurice Sider, who was going very high in drafts, Lewis. I'm sure you're uh, I'm sure you're aware of that. And it seems like kind of a, a crappy situation here to see him on the second power play unit so early in the season. Um, when you look at these lines and you look at that power play distribution, it kind of seems like Derek Lalonde would be looking for an even split. But looking at those, uh, looking at the power play minutes in that last game, 80% of the minutes went to the top unit. And this is, you know, not a situation where they just had like a long shift. That was, they had four power plays uh, against the Kings. And that Larkin unit got the significant majority of the power play time on ice. And it's pretty clear, you know, despite that, that even look, this is a top unit. So I guess when I, when I look at this, I, I obviously, am thinking about the impact on Cider and Raymond. Um, do we think this is a temporary problem? I'm I'm obviously particularly worried for the folks who drafted Cider because he did go so early. Yeah, um, you know, Cider was one of those who sort of uh, seemed like he started going early not long after, um, or earlier, I should say, not long after the uh, Dom Lucician uh projections came out he was kind of in that bag with timo meyer mm. when you know you punch in your cookupful uh stats you know a scoring system and both those guys showed up very very high on the list and you know I, I understand the excitement but i also think it's useful to kind of moderate when you have you know one set of uh projections that are going really hard on a couple players so uh with that in mind i i 
you know, I'm a little bit worried for Cider, um, especially if this, you know, goes for any length of time, you know, suddenly with Bertuzzi and the, the whole thing about the Red Wings, right, was they suddenly had this forward depth. And now with Bertuzzi injured for the next month, month and a half, uh, with Verona out indefinitely, that depth is really going to be tested. So this does lead to some nice opportunities for either uh, Red Wing rookies like Soderblom that you talked about, who has showed some really nice hands on some of these plays, uh, and definitely Kubalik. I think as somebody who is coming out uh, ahead, getting that line one power play one deployment. I think it is a little bit worrisome uh, for Raymond uh, as well as Cider. I just, I think this is a, a hang in there kind of situation. You know, with Cider's start, it's not like you can sell high on him. So I think you just got to hang in there and see how things shake out. I imagine this could be due for a little bit more blending uh, as the team tries to figure out what the optimal configuration will be while these players are missing. Yeah, I agree. I would need to see like 10 games maybe of of Raymond and Sider not on the top unit before I'm like, okay, I guess they're they're pretty committed here. And even then it's like it it would kind of feel to me like it could switch back at any moment. So, I don't know. I wouldn't I wouldn't want to be panicking on this one. Yeah, I I'm in the same I'm in the same mindset as you. I think this is a a wait and see type situation. Uh, but it is nice, you know, certainly for uh, any Zadina uh, dynasty holders to have him, you know, uh, up at the big league and getting a little bit more of a turn than he has in the past. So uh, good luck to him. He's kind of been in the, uh, you know, Verana situation only, you know, for a younger, less established player. So, um, you know, not necessarily proving himself to the coaches in the way that people hope they did. So uh, hoping that Zadina uh, finds some production here soon, too. Let's head over to Boston. Uh, we also have some uh, injury news here. One of our more injured teams here to start the season. Um, we saw Matt Grishlik return on Thursday. Uh, a lot of people, myself included, thought that he might slip into that power play one role, but that doesn't seem to be the case here as he starts to find his legs. Not a huge surprise necessarily because this is a guy who, um, you know, missed training camp. Uh, and probably has a little bit, you know, more to catch up with than your average returning from injury, you know, if it were midseason. Uh, I definitely think that he is a very likely candidate to replace uh, Hampus Lindholm eventually, who has been getting the bulk of the power play opportunities, but has not made any hay with those power play chances. Uh, so that's a guy to keep an eye on. Um, you know, if you see him on that top power play, he's only 3% rostered right now. So I think that's a pretty interesting uh, option, especially with how the Bruins have been playing uh, on the power play and off of it. Uh, so just a guy, a guy, I think, to keep an eye on to see if he he grabs that spot because he could be good for a stream for a bit. Of course, he will likely lose that opportunity once Charlie McAvoy returns. Uh, he is skating, but in a no-contact jersey. We don't have a strong sense of when he might be back. Uh, and then some interesting news uh, from Thursday was that Brad Marchand was skating in between uh, Pavel Zaka and Jake DeBrusque uh, with Bergeron getting some rest. Definitely not something where we think his return is imminent. Uh, the most recent report says that Marchand is on track to return after Thanksgiving. But the early returns from what folks are saying who are observing practice uh, was that he's moving pretty nicely uh, for a guy who is, you know, um, coming back from double hip surgery, which is definitely the kind of thing that you would worry about, especially a player, you know, uh, a little older uh, and a pretty significant surgery. So good to see that he's out there and moving around. Uh, and obviously, Boston will be very exciting to watch once they get some of their core players back in action. I think they've surprised us all up to this point uh, with their success. 
starting with that uh, Grizzlick McAvoy uh, discussion, I, I do feel like there's an opportunity for Grizzlick if he's able to, um, if he's able to come in and, and be productive on the top unit. Which I mean, as you mentioned, he's not even there yet. But it does kind of feel like a spot that Hampus Lindholm is not suited for, and that Grizzlick has. Uh, gotten the nod there over McAvoy in the past. I suppose the other thing here is we do have a new coach in Boston, so you never know what uh, what they'll look into once the team is fully healthy. But certainly a team that's been very good to start the year without the, uh, two of their two of their elite players, and so definitely not a team that uh, that looks like they're going to be a pushover. A lot of players were a lot of people were picking them to miss the playoffs this year, but looks like another year where they will uh, silence the haters. Let's uh, hop on over to uh, a player that is far and undear to my heart, Lewis. And I want to talk about uh, <laughs> Philly Grubauer, uh, or Philly Three Ps, as I've been calling him. The Phil so unnice, they peed on him thrice, is, uh, is the <laughs> genesis of this one for me. Uh, my question, or the the title of this segment, as I wrote it in our show notes, is Philly Three Ps, colon, kill him with fire question mark because i am just absolutely finished with this boy who i you know one of my preseason predictions was that seattle would provide a lot of fantasy value at a at a discount in drafts and i am feeling good about oliver bjorkstrand and maddie benier so far but i had to take philip grubauer on a long walk off the short pier of my cupful team today and while it wasn't it didn't feel good at the time. It feels great now to be to have that weight lifted off of me. Um, it's kind of like people say goalies are voodoo, but I, I, I like to say, except for Philip Grubauer, who I, I've come up with a new expression, uh, goalies are doo-doo when, when mm. we're talking about Seattle. Um, I thought maybe he could rebound after a lousy expansion season in Seattle, but he started right where he left off after last season's 889 save percentage. And has an 851 through three games and has already started losing starts to Martin Jones. Um, I talked about Grubauer with Nate from Apples and Genos in one of our preseason pods when we were talking about uh, uh, goalie targets if you went 0G. And we both thought that Grubauer would be a good bet for volume, which I no longer, I think already I'm over that. Um, this is a split crease and Grubauer is bad. Martin Jones might also be bad, but that doesn't make. Philip Grubauer any better of a fantasy option. I think it's kind of like Steve Laidlaw said on the Sunday Mega Show with Brian last week. Grubauer is a lemon, uh, and so I am backing slowly or or quickly, I guess, out of the Grubauer biz, kind of like the Homer Simpson into the hedge uh, clip. That's that's where I'm at, Lewis. I, I don't even know if there's anything to ask you here. I'm just... This is just me ranting about a player who I I now have, I guess, have declared my eternal enemy. Well, it's, you know, it's always kind of disappointing when you hope that someone will, you know, you stake your hopes on someone, you know, accomplishing something during the season and they, they, you know, throw it back in your face. Uh, you know, I did the same thing. My, one of my fantasy hockey wishes was for Matt Murray to have a healthy season and he didn't even make it one game. So yeah. these things happen, right? When you're in the prediction business, you're going to, you're going to get some that are, that are off. So, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, if he's not getting, if he's not getting volume, then he's not getting anything for you because he has not been a good goalie, uh, for a full season and change. Uh, yeah, I think you are safe to move away. The only concern I think that I have is, you know, uh, outside of like the Eric Comries of the world, we haven't seen a whole lot of, you know, available waiver wire goalies, um, you know, put themselves out there for 
you know, demonstrating some competence and, and like they might be valuable to grab. So I'm not sure where you go from uh, Philip Grubauer, but certainly someone to keep, you know, keep an eye out for, for somebody who you might be able to, uh, to swap him for. Yeah, I mean, it's still early, right? So I'm not overly concerned about not having a, you know, pulling a 1A off the waiver wire right away. And and hopefully I can find somebody before too long. Lewis, we are very early in the season, but that doesn't mean that we don't have a lot of players to talk about in the streak section of the pod. We will get there right after the break. You're listening to Short Shifts. Welcome back to Short Shifts. Lewis, we are hopping right on in to the streak section of the pod. It's our first of the season. Very excited to be back and talking about our streaky, streaky boys with you. Um, and uh, I guess I'll, I'll throw it over to you to start. All right. Well, this is an interesting one. I want to start with Matt Roy, who, uh, you know, we often like to use the transaction trends on Yahoo to identify some players who, you know, are moving and shaking and that people seem to be interested in. So Matt Roy is an interesting one. L.A. Kings defenseman, if you don't know who I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has three goals in five games to start the season, including two against the Predators on Wednesday uh, as the Kings came all the way back uh, to win in overtime uh Preds and especially Saros owners, uh, you may be familiar with this pattern dating back to last season of the Preds being pretty weak towards the end of games, giving up leads uh, and sometimes losing in overtime. So unfortunate for them. But uh, so three goals in five games. Uh, he's managed his feet on 12 shots for a 25% shooting percentage to start the year. Uh, this has raised his career shooting mark to just over three and a half percent, which is my way of saying it is very unlikely uh, that that you know, scoring pace or shooting pace is going to continue, although he is on pace to shatter his 21-point output in 67 games last year, which was his career best. Um, you know, this is not a guy that folks were picking up because of his scoring. Uh, you know, really, it has just been a nice bonus for folks who drafted him or picked him up off the waiver wire for a few games this week as a banger, uh, where he's accumulating about three cupful fantasy points a game in peripheral stats between taking some shots, laying some hits, and making some blocks. Um, I don't know that I'm necessarily rushing. I guess if I if I am thinking about picking up Matt Roy, I'm doing it because of the peripherals and not expecting the scoring to continue. Any scoring would just be a bonus for me uh, because I think that you know he's going to be very hard pressed to to continue to be productive in that way. So uh, that's really all my thinking on Matt Roy. But you know he is on a hot streak here uh, to start the season, four points in his five games. Uh, so good on you, Matt Roy. Keep it up. But mostly people are getting you for the hits and blocks. And Lewis, why don't you uh, just hop right into your next one since we're already in the uh, the sunshine state, California. I, I'm very good at geography <laughs> and uh, state mottos. Yes. Uh, so the Golden <laughs> State, uh, you know, it's it's okay. It's a it's a. I don't I don't know all the nicknames for the provinces either. I, if it, I if did, it helps. I did know the answer. I just uh, I know you're just okay. you're doing I'm your do, thing. I'm doing my thing. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about probably the most exciting third liner in the league. Uh, that's Gabe Velarde, who has managed seven points in the first five games of the season prior to Thursday. Uh, he's worked his way onto the top power play with a nice crew: Fiala, Kopitar, Doughty, and Kempe. Uh, he, although he has yet to earn a power play point. 
playing with that unit. So uh, hoping he can eventually capitalize in that position so he can hold on to it. You know, he's not going to keep scoring on 38% of his shots the way that he has been. Um, but I think this is a guy who is worth holding for as long as he is getting over 15 minutes a game and playing with that first power play. The one thing that does have me a little bit worried is that with Alex Iafalo injured, I don't know necessarily that Velarde and Byfield are going to be capable of carrying uh, scoring on that third line. Remember, Iafalo spent a lot of last season on line one. Uh, not that that was necessarily a place that he was super well suited for. Um, but, you know, uh, he he brings a veteran presence and some skill to that third line that is absent now. So uh, I'm a bit worried about that. Uh, as you are looking at Velarde, would you think of him as, you know, this is a guy I want to hold on to. He's getting top power play time with a pretty decent unit. Uh, or is this a guy that maybe you're thinking, uh, this is this is about as productive as he's going to be. Let's see what I can get for him here early in the season. I would say it's too early in most cases. Like if you can rip someone off and get like a super a point per game stud, then yeah, of course do that. Uh, but I, I think in most leagues that's not going to really be an option for you. Um, but I think that. You know, in a deeper league, I'm definitely holding on to Velarde. How could you drop him right now just off the pace that he's put up so far? Uh, it would be very, very strange to me to to drop somebody who has uh, who is like leading the league in uh, or, or among the league leaders in goals through the first two weeks of the season. So I'm definitely not dropping Velarde, but I'm also, uh, you know, I guess keeping my eye on on his production and uh not not necessarily trusting him but i think that uh i think you make a good point about alex iafalo losing iafalo and having sort of that veteran presence on the line with two younger players obviously uh, i would suspect are benefiting from playing against weaker competition down the lineup and it's been really nice for LA, which uh, a team that counted on the second line to produce last year, uh, the Deneau, Moore, and Arvidsson line has been very quiet to start this year. So it's it's good to see them getting uh, production out of line three. But yeah, they're getting blanked by the, the pens as of this moment, three minutes left in the third. And I suspect that uh, it's not always going to be sunny days for Gabe Velarde, but I'm hopeful that you know, he's a young player with a, a really nice pedigree. And I guess my hope is that this would be the breakout. And so if I'm holding them right now, I'm not dropping him just because of one scoreless game. But if if those zeros start to pile up, that's that's when I would cut bait. Makes sense to me. Yeah, I think, uh, like you said, let him uh, either establish himself more effectively before he can become trade bait or just hold on and enjoy the ride. Uh, why don't you head over to Philly uh, for a player who I am frustratingly up against this week uh, and tell us a little bit about Travis Konechny and what he is up to. Yeah, well, I mean, Travis Konechny is uh, a superstar, and that's why we all drafted him in the first 30 or 40 picks of our fantasy drafts, right? Right? That's, uh, yeah, that's absolutely, because we... we all knew that Philly was going to be out there slaying people. I mean, hey, listen, I famously predicted the Kevin Hayes breakout, and uh, here we are. Uh, no, um, so... Travis Konechny, six points in the first four games of the season. It is still early, but so many good signs so far, Lewis. Uh, Konechny playing 20-plus minutes a game, a nice two-and-a-half-minute boost, which we love to see. Uh, three or more shots in the first in three of his four games so far. And he's also getting a ton of time on ice on the power play and has two power play points in the first four games. 
I don't think that he's on pace. Like he is on pace for 40 power play points. I don't think he's going to hit that, but that is 20% of the power play points that he put up in 2022, just four games into the season. So Travis Konechny, a guy who is 45% rostered, I think in a lot of leagues, you know, similarly to Velarde, if somebody wants to sell you the farm to get Travis Konechny, I'm okay taking that. But, you know, that that roster percentage is going to go up. I, I I would suspect it's, it's near 60-70% before too long. And I am holding Travis Konechny, not selling uh, for, you know, a 60-70 point, like a 60-65 point guy, I, sh- I should say. I would I would like to see how the early season breakout plays out. And, you know, if he's not if he's not a 65 point guy, then he's it's not like you're missing out on a huge difference between that and and where he might have been otherwise. I, I think that this is a guy who's going to get a, a ton of minutes. He's probably going to be the team's, you know, staple to the top unit for John Tortorella. And, and so for me, I, I think that this is somebody I'm holding on to not selling necessarily. And in a shallow league, I would where he is still on the waiver wire, I would be adding him to see how good he might be. Definitely. And and keep in mind, too, you know, before all that much longer, like is, you know, looking at the season, uh, he's going to have Sean Couturier back uh, to play with as well. So he may be getting some reinforcements uh, also. All right, Lewis, that is all the time that we have for tonight. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us for another episode of the Short Shift Fantasy Hockey Podcast. Uh, Lewis, my friend, I will see you again next week. I'm very excited about it. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to uh, another great week. I've got a, a beneficial schedule coming up, so I'm, I'm hoping next week will be a, a f- one filled with fireworks. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Please be sure to give us a follow at ShortShiftsKK. Uh, of course, you can find Brian and Elon at Keeping Carlson and Dave Benton at NHL Stream Scheme. Uh, I also recommend you follow Game Day Lines at Game Day Goalies and at Game Day News, and check out the at Game Day Tweets site to find all of that information uh, organized beautifully and very easy to access. Uh, John Reed was not able to join us today, so we were not on Twitch, but you can typically catch us on Twitch uh, at around 8.30 uh, Eastern Time, uh, twitch.tv uh, slash Keeping Carlson. Please also visit the great sites where we research our episodes at Yahoo, Frozen Tools, Natural Statric, and Cuckupful.com. Our intro and outro music was created by Pat Roach, and until we see you next, play smart and keep your shifts short. <laughs>